Hello, I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com backslash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com backslash RG. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Logan Murdoch, I'm here with Raja Bell. You know, we had a little quick uh, holiday hiatus. How was your How was your Thanksgiving, bro? I haven't seen you in a minute. How you doing, dude? I'm good, buddy. Um, I had a good Thanksgiving, man. Spent some time up in the Northeast. Uh, my in-laws okay. in New York, Massachusetts. There's something about, like, I, I'm a proud Floridian. Um, I would choose not to live anywhere else, especially as a semi-retired person because of the weather. But there is something about the cold and the fall around the holidays. And it was pretty cool, brother. Did you, did you dig deep in the closet for the Canada goose, just a big old jacket to, to, to find it? Did you have to go, did you have to dig deep in there? Did you even have a, a jacket for the Northeast around this time? Or did you even need it? Listen, what was it like? Okay. I mean, as much as, as much as, as much as I love Florida, sorry to interrupt, but as much as I love Florida, there's like, you can't really dress in Florida because it's, oh, it's hot yeah. as hell all the time. So it gave me a chance to dig in and get into my bag a little bit. Yeah, we got to get you to the bay, man. We just get, we got to get you to the bay where there's you can you can dress, you can get your swag on, you can wear you know go to San Francisco, wear your 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 real winter jacket at night, and you know we just got it. That's basically the anecdote to everything. Just come through, just get, just come kick it. Um, <laughs> but no, man, Thanksgiving was lit, bro. I, I watched uh, my Raiders. Did you see the autumn win? My Raiders was out here killing. So you're Beat back. The down- we're, we're back. We're, we're back. The, the silver and black is back. The silver and back. We're here. Um, but that's neither here nor there, man. We, uh, we're having our first Palooza edition. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Raja was talking about how, you know, we always talk about the Lakers on this podcast and how we need to wait a second to give our critiques 20 games in. Now, 20 games in was during the holiday break. And so we decided to have a Lakers Palooza where we have our guy, Mike Tradell. Um, try to talk 
Raja off the ledge, myself off the ledge, Jomi off the ledge, everybody off the ledge about how, you know, we thought the Lakers are going to be trash. We think the Lakers are going to be trash right now. I don't know. We, we'll see. But we had Mike talk us off the ledge, and that was pretty cool, man. I, I had a blast. What did you think about the, what, what Mike had to say? Did, are you did you are you talked off the ledge? Are they championship contenders again? What do you what what are you thinking after after uh, our conversation with Mike? Really insightful conversation. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, had some great points. I I. I I don't think ultimately, like if you made me pick the Lakers or the field, I'm taking the field. Um, but some yeah. real good points were made as to why I should still and and people should still reserve judgment because again, that 20 games was provided there weren't a ton of injuries and you've had those. So you might just need to reserve for a little bit more. Great, great conversation. Yeah, man. Our first ever Lakers Palooza up next with Mike Trudell. Robin Rowans, Logan Murdoch, Raja Bell. Raja, it's Laker Palooza time. We have Mike Tradell, the Lakers sideline reporter for Spectrum Sportsnet. Long time. You, you've seen him around, right? You, I know you. he's been around the block for, for, for decades out here in Los Angeles. Um, he's here to talk to us about the Lakers' um, first half of their season, first quarter of their season. How you doing, Mike? What's going on? How you doing, Doug? It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, it really is. I mean, I the main reason that I came on was I was promised I would get to speak to Jomi at some point. Um, but I, I do also I do also have a lot I, of respect. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mike. Who? I don't know who that. Who's that? Who? Come on, man. He know he only, he's okay. the one word guy. He's a one word name guy. Okay. But I do have a lot of respect for watching a lot of uh, Raja Bell in person uh, since I I started covering the league back in 2006. Uh, so oh, wow. and Raja, you're, you're still looking good, man. You're still looking good on the Zoom. I appreciate that, Mike. From the neck up, man. I'm holding it down. <laughs> oh, I hear that. <laughs> so, so Raja, you. This is your fault that we're doing this Lakers Palooza because you said we've been trying to talk about the Lakers in depth, and you said, "Wait a second. Wait after right. 20 games. Yeah. Wait after 20 games. Chill. Relax. We can only see a team after 20 games." Raja, your what are your impressions right now? And then we're gonna get to Mike to kind of like make sure that we're all in line with what we're doing because he's in the locker room. Raja, what are you feeling right now? What's what's going on? All right, a couple of things. First of all, um, I will I will use an analogy and compare the Lakers and and me saying we needed to wait to pick and roll basketball play, right? Like when you're teaching young kids, you don't you don't want to like you want to like stretch the pick and roll out. You want to give it time to breathe. You want to let it kind of come into focus so you can make the right read off of it. If you try to get it all done at the point of the screen, like you have no idea what you're looking at. So like I just didn't know what we were looking at with the Lakers. It was too early. I had You had to let me play a little bit, stretch it out. Um, and I did, in fairness, if we have this on wax somewhere, the caveat to me having a judgment at 20 games was if they suffered some kind of major injury and one of those main three players had to miss significant time. That has happened. Having said all of that, this Lakers team is not winning a championship. It's not happening. Uh, okay. All right. Because that was our pick. That was, our pick was was the was the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, go, Raj, I see you're chopping at the bit. Go ahead. I've always prided myself on being able to say <laughs> I made a mistake or apologizing yes. to someone, even in all of my fly off the handle type of, you know, electricity. Sometimes I yes. made a mistake. I made okay. a mistake. They're they're just bad, Not, you know. And I love LeBron, and I you know I love Russ. I think AD is super talented, but I've had my questions about some of the actual winning uh, 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 intangibles with him, but they're just, they're bad on both ends of the court. You can't be that. You can't yeah. be bad on both ends of the court. 
Now, let's get this. You, you brought up LeBron, and I want to bring in Tradell for this one. Um, Tradell, I saw you a couple days ago in Sacramento when, um, very briefly, I might add, that's on me, um, saw you, and the big news of the night was LeBron James has COVID. Now, we, I don't want to get into the COVID part of this, but I do want to get into the absence part of that because it tells a larger story, which is roster inconsistency this season. When you talk about LeBron being out of the lineup for a myriad of injuries and illnesses, and um, also guys like Wayne Ellington and, and, and Trevor Ariza and THT for an extended point, how much is that kind of messed up what the Lakers thought they were going to be through these first 20 so or so games? Well, so a big disadvantage that you could say for almost any NBA team that comes into the season with the new roster is the lack of continuity as compared to some of the teams that are playing well. So look at Phoenix so far this season in, in Golden State. Almost the exact same teams as that finished last season. And same system, right? Same coaching staff, same stars getting their shots in the right places. So that was the part where the Lakers were, okay, how much can Russ's infusion of energy make up for what's clearly the lack of cohesion because you have three players that are coming back, LeBron, AD, and THT. And that was that was the first part. The second part is when you have LeBron James, and, and I think that I, I'd be curious for Raj's thoughts on this too, but you're not going to be a system offense. You're not going to be the type of team that runs like what the Warriors run or even what, what the Suns run with Chris Paul, who's making sure they get executing every other possession. So where LeBron's not on the court for half of the first part of the season and you have all of the new players and it goes from having the two-way um, type players, that whether it was KCP or Alex Caruso or Kuzma, and now you're bringing some guys that are a little bit more of a specialist nature, like a Monk and an Ellington, um, right? Even the bigs like a DJ. So all of that recipe is, I think, why we see them now be at, at 12 and 11. And it's fair that what Roger said, what we've seen so far, they absolutely don't look like a team that can win a championship. But uh, I do think, Logan, and this is the long version of this answer, that the some of the lineups that they've used when they've actually gone small with Russ, when he has set some screens and gotten out of the way for LeBron and AD pick and roll, and they have put some of the guys that can, that, like if if they get the big wing back in Ariza, there, there's, some, there's a shell there that I think you can't discount. But it's been really difficult to see it so far, and, and it's put them behind the eight ball, no question. That was definitely going to be my next question was what are are there seeds that people in Lakerland that are watching consistently um, can see being planted that would bear fruit at some point? Because I tend to agree with you in that, you know, I got to make a prediction because I'm pressed to make it. We're 20 games in. Right. <laughs> people want to hear it. But my gut also says what I was alluding to before. Like there have been so many injuries and there's been no time for that thing to gel that there is a shot. What concerns me, though, is just, I mean, every single team that's won a championship has been top 10 defensive and offensive efficiency. The Lakers are bottom of the league in both of those. So, you know, that would be my question is, is like, are you guys seeing signs when they've brief, briefly been together that would, that would say, okay, there is a silver lining here. It just might take, you know, I don't know, instead of 20 games, we might be looking at a halfway mark. It might be 40 games before they start to hit a stride. No, for sure, Roger. And that's the that's the small sample size theater that we get into because when you're looking at the lineup data so far, I can pull out a bunch of lineups with either AD or LeBron at the five, by the way. They've been starting to go... Frank Vogel's idea a couple of games ago was, all right, we're just going to play one of the bigs now. It's going to be either DeAndre or Dwight. And then in the backup minutes, LeBron is going to play backup five. 
which they did against Indiana, and just pounded them. Like, like it went in a big run in the fourth quarter in overtime. That was interesting. And so there's there are snippets like that where they've really controlled pace, uh, they've controlled tempo, and with LeBron and AD on the back line, they're still big enough to be imposing there. And so, Logan, I, I want to kind of kick this back to you if I can and take what Roger just said because what I've said since AD came to the Lakers, they've got these two superstars who can play both ends of the court and really impact you. And the only other team that I thought had a chance to do that was the Clippers uh, because they had Kawhi and Paul George, you know, when healthy, even like even when you get into the Warriors and as, as great as Steph is, he's not going to actually he's not going to positively impact the defensive end, even if he's pretty good relative to what people think. Yeah. Or if you get into Booker and Chris Paul, or if you look at even Harden paired next to the KD, who can certainly do it. So that to me was kind of the Lakers superpower when they got into a playoff series. Both of these guys are going to be able to give you the business on both ends. And then you put the three pieces next to them to go with it. It's just that the team looks so different now that it's hard to pull out like what it's going to look like, as Roger alluded to, when we get 20 games down the road, because we just haven't seen much of it yet. Yeah, I, I think that goes to roster con- overall roster construction. When you go into this season with the guy, like on paper, this roster is really good. If you look at just names on paper, you have a Carmelo Anthony, you have a DeAndre Jordan, you have a um, you have an Anthony Davis and LeBron James and Malik Monk, who I love right now. But when you get into it, into the roster construction, these guys are all the, their top guys are all aging and it's hard to kind of have a cohesiveness when there's guys in and out of the lineup. And also these guys haven't played with one another. Um, and because I think me and you both, uh, Mike, were at the, um, at the, the, the home opener, uh, which was a uh, Warriors was Warriors Lakers. And that's when the team was as healthy as it was. The, the Lakers played, I think they played as well as you're going to play for guys playing with each other for, you know, a few, about a month. Right. I think they played really well considering those circumstances. Now I want to kick this to Raja, what is it like when you don't have that cohesion and everybody's starting off fresh with each other, but there's so many injuries to start the season and you have to kind of work from behind? Like the, the when you think about it, the Lakers are just six in the Western Conference. They can go on a run and get right into the thick of things. But when you sure. have this this lack of cohesion because of injuries, because of all these things, how does that hurt a basketball team? So the Lakers are a unique team in that I typically you know, like again, would say 20 games, 30, 40 games. You all you know who you are. Um, yeah. but the Lakers are still star heavy and they have they have these proven entities that I could make a case for them just getting healthy and starting to play good basketball like in the last quarter of the season. And if they can catch fire, you know, may, being healthy and firing on all cylinders, it's really hard to sustain that level like of a Golden State all year. I mean, they've done it, but that's hard. Like, you know, a lot of teams go through their ups and downs and then they hit their stride at the right time and get hot. Um, and now you're a, you're a hell of a team to go up against in the playoffs. Chemistry, you know, chemistry is, 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 is one of those things, especially when you're dealing with ball, you know, dominant guys and figuring out the definition of roles that, that takes time. And, you know, it's almost... You know, for the Lakers, it's, it's it's tough because every time LeBron's got to sit out, you're hitting the reset button. You are with a guy like with a guy like 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 Russell Westbrook, whose natural instinct is to try to impose who he is on a game the way he knows how to do it, which is having the ball in his hands and taking the lion's share of the the responsibility. Every time LeBron is absent from that lineup, 
it casts him back into a role that you don't want him to be playing ultimately for you to have the best chance to win. And so that's a scary thing for me with the Lakers, you know, and, and quite frankly, you know, bigger, bigger picture, you know, I guess we're talking about the, the cyborg that has been LeBron James. And are we starting to see like humanity set in, right? Like this is, this isn't now a one-off. This is every year now where we're, we're getting some sort of injury where he wasn't injured before. And so for the Lakers chemistry, you're literally hitting, you're hitting the reset button every time he's got a miss extended time for something, because Ideally, you would have them really drilling down on what what am I going to do in this offense to win? What do I need to do to help LeBron? How much of LeBron does he have to give up to allow Russ to be Russ? Like, where does AD come into play? And are we going to put the saddle on him late in the game and ride him down the home stretch? And all of those things, you know, get reshuffled every time one of those major pieces has to sit out. Yeah, it's funny. I want to. I need to get. I want to get Mike's perspective on this because um, it wasn't Frank Vogel who said this. I think it was Dwight Howard talked about after the Kings game where Frank Vogel lit into the team. This is the the Kings game from this week, not the triple overtime that gave Jomi a heart attack. Um, but I've ta- after the game, he said uh, Dwight said that Frank Vogel said that we need to stop looking towards a title and like, something alluding to those things of like we're looking at trying to get a championship. But there's other things that need to be done before that. Do you? What are the Lakers striving for at this particular point? Obviously, it's a championship, but you got to put one step in front of the other. How do they do that to get themselves back online? Because there's been those quotes that AD has said, oh, we can go on a 10-game winning streak and no problem, nobody will talk. But it's one thing to do that, but it's you ha- there's things that go into a 10-game winning streak. It's not as easy as saying we're going to win. What do the Lakers need to accomplish? Do they need to take short-term goals? Do they need to continue to go to or, or with championship or bust? How do they maneuver through this stretch of the season to start to get to that championship level? Well, Raja alluded to this, and I think what the challenge is is that LeBron has such a massive impact on, uh, regardless of if he's at full NBA finals, LeBron or early regular season, LeBron still like when he's on the court, that is the main thing. Uh, that's uh, to go back to the Pat Rallyism. So when he's not on the court and then Russ has to pick his game up, but how much should he, because AD is also out there. So those guys are yeah. still figuring out how to play together, but here's the thing. They've already started to get there. The first couple of weeks of the season with AD and Russ, it, it wasn't great in the non LeBron lineups. But now they've had pockets of games like the after LeBron got ejected in the Pistons game, Russ and AD just completely tore apart the Pistons. And we know the Pistons aren't great. Okay, so that's one thing. But then they did it again against the Knicks. A little bit of a step up there. Um, You get to Sacramento again, still not a good team, but pretty good in the game against Milwaukee. Now, they actually had a lot of really nice moments against Giannis. So it's like that part of it is starting to build. But this is where I, I just go right back to LeBron James as being at the center of this. And I think that he's looking at this calendar year as a true 365 days. Where is his body going to be by the end of the season so that he can be peaking through a playoff run? And maybe that's part of the concept, Raja, of getting Russ in the first place. Because Russ can, he can absolutely raise your floor in a regular season with with just the motor. And it might take a little bit. Like, it, it took Washington three months to get going and get used to him. It took Houston a while, but eventually teams realize how Russ plays and I think adapt some. And the, the for me, the this all comes back down to where LeBron is at when they get to that key point of the season and, and how those guys can figure it out together. But I still can't, Roger, I have a hard time until I see it. I have a hard time betting against LeBron knowing how to get himself through, uh, you know, through this calendar year. Listen, I agree. I agree with you a hundred percent. I, um, 
I've ne- I've I've made it a habit like never to bet against the team he was on. Um, and yeah, I almost feel bad doing it. And no, so it's going to take me to this question. Bear with me as I get there. Um, I agree with you and Russ, and I've always said I'm interested to hear your. I think that Russ, um, while yeah, he definitely raises your your floor through the regular season, and and I think personally that if LeBron were willing to kind of change the way he approached it. And I know that sounds blasphemous, right? But I think that Russ could be, you know, the type of that would would raise that floor in the playoffs too, give you give you the type of support that you would ultimately need, but I think it's it's going to require someone else giving up a part of them. And I know all, everyone analytically would be like, uh, he's never done it in but I I'm almost telling you I think I know better than that. And I know how that sounds because yeah. if if LeBron and AD could figure out how to just use him enough and let him be himself enough, I think it really does protect you in some of those you know playoff scenarios and it allows LeBron to get the rest that he needs. So here's where I'm going to go. LeBron, I know that he can flip a switch. I've watched him do it in person. I've never seen an NBA player say, hey, I'm going to take it to here for 25 games. We'll be here at 50 and then have it come to fruition. I watched that firsthand with LeBron. It's hard for me having been a role player in the NBA to see myself doing it. And so that's the danger, right? Like LeBron can do it. Can Malik Monk do it? Can Trevor Ariza do it? And if we're approaching that like that organizationally, is that dangerous? So my question to you is you're there every day. Like, is this a LeBron thing or is this a Laker team big picture? um, We're going to be fine down the road because one scares me, one doesn't. No, you're, you're totally, you are kind of, you're having to hit like the punch button and the kick button, like at the, at the same time there, like you can't just have one. And so for, I think that's what Frank Vogel is trying to establish Raja, like the, the rest of the team and the team as a whole has to have a baseline of defensive effort and can't just make like, so we took DeAndre Jordan out three minutes into the game against the Kings, put Dwight Howard in. And like, that's one thing that he knew he was going to be able to get from Dwight, sort of a baseline of this is how we play defense, multiple effort. And that has to spread through the rest of the team. But the whole thing with LeBron and and like how the degree to which he can get there in what, what Russ can, I think it's all about the last five minutes of games to an extent. Like this is why Phoenix has been killing teams because you get down these te- the good teams are all relatively close this year. I don't think there's a, a team that's going to be that dominant, even though Golden State and Phoenix have the record where they're at. But like Milwaukee now, they haven't lost with their their big three healthy yet. So I, I think they're being a little underrated. Back to the to the point, though, Russ, I think, is going to be maybe the one guy that he would really defer to down the stretch is LeBron. I think even different from when he was playing with KD, different from when he was playing with James Harden, different from when he was playing with Bradley Beal. I think that there's this there is something there about the way that he looks at LeBron. And that is the guy that you have to have making those decisions. But up until that point, Raja. Does he does his role have to decrease that much so that LeBron can completely paper over a game? I don't think so. It, it's right. just about is his mindset willing to accept that things get tight, the Lakers figure out the rotation, and LeBron's the guy driving the ship. Uh, that that to me is still something that they can aspire to. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I um I always I'm going back to the season of the previous Lakers season, which is I think it was the 2001 season when um when Kobe got injured for an extended period of time. And Shaq, uh, you know, just went on a tear in that 01 season. And the um, when Kobe came back, because he was watching from the sidelines, he kind of figured out how to um, to play with that roster. And they went on a 15-game winning streak and had a um, one of the best playoff runs of all time. Um, 
How can do you think that that can help in this in this uh, iteration of the Lakers where LeBron is watching from the sidelines and he's so smart and he sees how Malik Monk plays, who is probably my favorite player on the Lakers this season. Um, seeing how he's playing, seeing how Melo's playing, seeing how Russ plays, seeing how this roster plays without him, and then kind of use those mental notes to integrate himself into that roster. Do you think that that's a plausible thing that 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 can happen again, Mike? Or am I am I am I am I reaching right? I mean, I think that LeBron sort of knows all that kind of stuff just by being okay. LeBron. So he's not the one. I What I think is more, it's more important that Monk and the rest of those guys get enough requisite minutes around the actual healthy LeBron and AD and Russ. And that's why I mentioned early guys on the, on the pod that there's in these small sample sizes, you've seen some pockets where they start to figure it out when AD, when they, like when they're in that lineup. But it has to... Think about how much Phoenix or Golden State have played together so that mm-hmm. the whole team already knows that stuff. And that's the catch up. But it's Raja, that's I keep I feel like I'm keep getting back to that same point where the Lakers can ultimately get to, though, is that LeBron and even A.D., I think, can beat those systems in Golden State in Phoenix. And yeah, we saw well, it last year, even like that team wasn't that yeah. cohesive, but they were up two one when A.D. got hurt because LeBron and, and they're just such they're so difficult to deal with. Uh, at that point, it's just the re- the rest of the guys have to have a certain level, and that's why we need to see it happen for a couple months. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side-by-side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Now, Raja, I, 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 it's, I'm prepared for the thunder and the rain and, all, and everything going <laughs> right now when I ask you this question. 20-something games in. Time to have the Russell Westbrook conversation with you, my friend. What have you been your impressions? What have you thought? And what's going on, man? Because I, I I can't I I love Russ, but there are there are some things that there's some critiques. I don't know if there's gonna be slander because I can't say that word around you, but what have you thought of Russell Westbrook so far throughout this through the onset of this season? Okay. What I will say to you is <laughs> because he's in a Laker uniform, we're combing it with a finer tooth comb. He's doing essentially what he does. Let me give you the numbers. All right, just so we're clear, it's 28 and nine. Like, that's what Russ is doing with less ball in his hands than he's had in places before. Mike hit the nail on the head. Every single place he goes, this happens. They come out of the gates. It doesn't look pretty. He's a unique style of play. You know, his energy is never in question. His heart in terms of wanting to win a game is never in question, but it is unique, right? And so they struggle, they stumble, but eventually... Winners win, man, and he's going to help you win. You just got to figure it out. Sure, it's looked ugly at times. I'll be the first to admit that, dude. Like, I've watched games, but what I'll say to that again is, like, I watch more Lakers games than I was watching Washington games last year, right? And so he's got ugly games all the time. So I'm not not really putting this on Russ. Like, I I don't think it's the most natural fit. Um, I do believe that used the right way, and Mike, was perfectly correct in what he said about the last five minutes of the game. Rush, you got to you have to understand that while you're here, 
Like this isn't yours in the last five minutes. There may be times where LeBron looks at you and says, now go, and you got to be ready to go. But if he doesn't do that, you play your position. Like he's got to be able to do that. But I don't, I don't have a beef with Russ. I, he's, he's older. He doesn't defend the way he defended before. That's part of the problem. What scares me with um, the Golden States and the Phoenixes is they're, they move so much and there's so much energy and so much force and, and, and deliberateness with their offense that if the Lakers can't find some young, fresh legs to really supplement those older vets, I, I, I usually agree that LeBron and AD are enough, but it scares me. But I don't have a beef with Russ. And I'm sorry if anybody wanted me to come on here. And if you're disappointed that I won't slander Russ, you should know me by now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I won't. It's not perfect, but he's doing what he does. It's funny because when I, when I see Russ, we still got to understand the dude has played on three teams in three different years. He hasn't had a second year with a team to where he can find cohesion with the roster. And I'm giving, you know, and I've been frustrated with Russ, but also like I, I watched. What? Uh, let me ask, let me ask a question. This is better. This is better. This can be better for yeah. the audience because okay. I didn't give you anything, but what is frustrating for Laker fans about Russ? Like, that's what I'd like to hear. It, and okay. it can all be valid. I mean, I'm not going to, what's frustrating you? The biggest thing uh, that just frustrates me, it's the same thing that's always frustrated me about Russ, is that he can't get out of his own way. It's like he feels like he has to shoot his way out of situations. He has to, he has to, and it's funny because I got a bit more context of kind of how he um, maneuvers and the way he goes about life in general. And I watched his uh, Showtime documentary. I, got, I, got, I was in LA, um, LA uh, what, about a month or so ago. And got to go, I had the honor to go to his um, to his premiere for his uh, his Showtime thing. Gotham Chopra directed that, and I got to see like he's been doubted for so long in his life that he takes every single possession as an offense to every single person that's doubted him. Right, and I feel like sometimes Russ, bro, just pass the ball. Your your shot is broke today. It's okay. You're one of the. You're a great passer. You're a great rebounder. All these things you can affect the game in other ways. You don't have to take everything on the chin. I think that's what frustrates me the most, Raja. Oh, so I hear that. And, I've and, heard, I, it's, and it's with love, though. It's no, with I love know. of his game. That's not even – I don't hate Russ. I just think that he can make better decisions is, what, know. is and, what frustrates me. And I think, like, you know, if you were building the perfect basketball player that didn't have a flaw in his game, we'd be in Alice in Wonderland type shit. Like, where everybody has a flaw in their game, man. Like, Russ is – I just want to be clear. You know, his field goal percentage right now is, like, fourth highest in his career. His shot attempts are down. Like he like third lowest in his or fourth lowest in his career. Like he's he's doing essentially what he does. Like it's yeah. it's not. And I'm watching those games and I'm seeing him down the stretch. Like, yes, he's going to shoot because he feels like he's a really good player and he's averaging 20 a game, but he's going to shoot his numbers like he's he's going to shoot what he's always shot. And he does like what was it? The Pacer game. I watched him like distribute at the end of the game and get AD easy buckets and like drive the paint, collapse it and catch a Like he's just doing what he does. So for those Laker fans that are frustrated, like you were going to, you're just, you just don't know his game. That was what he does. Yeah. Now, now, Shardell, I want to, I, I want to ask you, um, this question. And I, and I, I, I love Russ. I, I really love Russ and, and every, and everything that he does. And I made the argument and I want to hear your, your opinion on this, that they got Russ because he is a guy that has, you know, he's, 
a veteran and has been in the postseason. He has done these things. He can integrate into a veteran a veteran team uh, more than you know the other guys that the, the Lakers can trade for. How much are the Lakers banking on that with this, right? Where they do have a guy like uh, Russ who has seen, uh, you know, he might not have been successful in, in some postseason games, but he's been in the postseason. He is a veteran. He knows what it's like in a different game. How much were the Lakers banking on that? And how much are they banking on that now? Like, we don't really care about the regular season. We're trying to get into the postseason when it matters. And we need a guy who's been there before. How much are the Lakers banking on that right now? So to tie in some of what Raja was just saying about Russ is that in kind of Logan, the way that you expressed the frustration there, some of the mistakes that he makes are loud because that's that's what his personality is. And that's what he so it, it might be a, a turnover at the wrong time or it might be a, a, th- a three point pull up shot that he thinks is going to completely change the momentum of the game. And it might. And it's and it's happened before. But when it doesn't go in right, it's a loud mistake. It's not like an in rhythm three in the corner. It's a good that a certain player. My good point. But that underlies something that I think I've heard Raja mention before as a real ones listener. That like he also we you don't pay as big of attention when he gets his ninth defensive rebound of the game or yeah. when he drops the ball off to a big for a dunk. So he's just become so uh, that stuff we've kind of come to expect with the triple double stuff that the, the stuff that doesn't go well, especially in the concert of a game is focused on. So to bring this back to where it always matters with the Lakers, which is LeBron and A.D., those guys know Russ like they know that they played on Team USA with him. They played against him. They know what that is. The whole key to me is slotting. It's a term that that Darius Soriano, uh, the Laker Film Room podcast, always uses uh, with Pete Tyus. And it's like ah, when ah, he's the third. Shout out to Darius. When he's the third guy, and he's never been that really before, because James Harden came in as the sixth man on that team in OKC. So if LeBron's there and AD, who we haven't talked about much, uh, but like AD is doing what he always does this year. He's completely been a monster on defense. He's shooting over fifty percent. Yes, the jump shot isn't falling, but he's getting into the paint more. Like when they go small and LeBron gets into that full mode and and this now sounds like a like a hype thing for Westbrook, which it's not. But then all of that stuff that he can do, it really is raising the floor and you have LeBron and AD as the actual toppers. And sometimes it could be Russ, too. But like that has to be the concept of Russ because they he he's not going to be the guy that he was in Washington where they were leaning on him to do everything by the end of the season, even with Beal there. That was not, I don't think, the idea. And it, it portends to how he really fits in with LeBron and AD. And we've seen it for, what, eight games so far? And, like, that's going to – that's that sample size has to grow. I, I have a question because um, just I'm familiar with LeBron and the way his kind of mind works. Um, and he's always looking. And he's always got an idea of what fits. And, you know, while he never really pulls the strings in organizations, he's always in communication with what he needs because he's got that unique style. Is there a move for the Lakers to make? Is there something out there that the Lakers need that that like it's a glaring hole in 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 their ability to get to where they're trying to go? So I this uh, I I feel like this is an answer, Raja, that almost any NBA team could be, but it's it's the bigger two way wing that's always seemingly in short supply. Now that was part of the reason though that they got Trevor Ariza, and we just spoke to him for the first time a couple of days ago, and he's still a bit away from playing, but he's starting to get there. And so the idea of Ariza, 6'8", right, doesn't need the ball, is going to spot up and shoot corner threes, can actually, like when you go small, can be a low man that impacts the rim, which is something that they haven't, they don't really have on the roster other than that. And that's why I think they've been hesitant to go smaller more often. 
whereas in the past, whether it was a Kuzma, who's 6'9", or a Markeith Morris, then all of a sudden your small lineup is still big. And because, Roger, what teams are doing, they're going to pull AD out uh, in, in a screen right. role there when he's playing at the center, right? And then that's when you need either LeBron or another wing to kind of help out inside. And when they do that, they're really, really hard to score upon. So whether that's Ariza or a move, absolutely. Like, they, they have to get that guy. And I think that's when we really start to talk about them being in business uh, for for the idea of the team that where they wanted to go to. Did, Logan, does that make sense? Were you going to get on on that too? Uh, well, no, no. I I, I just need you to you to talk uh, Raja off the ledge on something really quickly. Now, Raja <laughs> has been hard um, externally and internally on real ones and all the chats and everything about AD. Um, can you can you give me sixty seconds really quickly to talk Raja off the ledge about AD? Can you tell him it's going to be okay and that AD is a great player and it's going to work out? Can you just give him sixty seconds to just like really just make sure that um that he is okay? Just tell him that. Just Logan, tell him that he's an MVP. Logan, I don't want to answer a question with a question, but I need to. I need. I want Raja to speak for himself before I try to tell him <laughs> something. Thank you, Mike. Okay. Thank you. So I'm. I'm. I would like to seed his AD opinion before I try to counter or give him anything on it. Mike, I appreciate your graciousness, sir. Because um, words were put in my mouth there. Now, I never said AD wasn't a great talent with with superhuman almost abilities for size and 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 uh, his skill set is remarkable. I've always worried about AD, Mike, in in the number one role. That's where I've worried about him. I I, I don't really have concerns in a in a true number two role. Um, I think he's the probably best number two on the planet. Like, I mean. You know, uh, or one of them when you throw James Harden or Kyrie or somebody like that in the mix. But I don't I've always worried about him if the winning had to be on his shoulders. Um, I can't put my finger on it. Uh, I, you know, I th- th- there's some things that, you know, revolve around rolling up your sleeves and getting dirty that that if we got into the, you know, the woods with it, I, I would I would tell you. But it, the, the overall picture is as a number two, I think he's fine. I think he's great. I just don't know if he's a number one. And so my concern with him is if LeBron was going to transition, if the Lakers' plan was to always transition LeBron out of the number one into the number two and have AD be the number one, it, was that viable? Like, could we could we count on that? And, th- and those were my concerns. Still are, but not nothing about, like, his ability. Like, he's phenomenal. <laughs> it's a really it's a really interesting. Andy Logan. Yeah, it's a way to – it's a really interesting way for me to think about just NBA history, though. And then almost separating a big man to an extent from a guy that's going to have the ball in his hands to really initiate. Uh, and and so how many real true number ones that can go win a title are there? I mean, LeBron, Giannis, KD, you know, now step is a little bit of a different thing because you've got to have the right personnel defensively. But I mean, Jokic like is in terms of an offense. Yes. But when that's your when that's your your key defensive spot, can that really get you to the title? I mean, Embiid is the initial, like it's the conversation I think is tougher when you really put it into context, even thinking about Shaq, like somebody as dominant as Shaq really did need Kobe as that elite sort of number two, but who is really kind of a number one when it got down the stretch in the fourth quarters. So to me, that's the basketball part of this that, that I think has to be included in it. And since AD does have guard skills and he, especially in the bubble, like we have to put the bubble into context too, though, because everybody shot better in the bubble, right? The, the circumstances right. were perfect for it, but he was phenomenal there. How much of that was because LeBron was next to him? C- certainly some of it, but 
again, Roger. So throughout NBA history, I, I've there are so few of those ball dominant big LeBron, Jordan, Kobe, KD, those guys that can really be that guy. So I don't I don't know if I hold AD to that particular standard. Like I think he's 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 met pretty much every moment that they've asked him to. So maybe maybe I'm conflating it two different conversations, but I just want to throw that back in there. No, fa- I mean I think that's fair, right? When you're when you're when you're going to put I don't know a a, a a rare air of eight, nine, ten players. Like I, I I would agree. Like I can't hold him to that standard. I wouldn't. I, I I've heard people try to right right hand corner, bottom right hand corner. I'm I, but I'm with you if we're not going to put him. <laughs> In that conversation, I guess, you know, Mike, but what, so I think about the, the, the Pelicans teams and I had this argument with a lot of people in the Cleveland Cavs front office as it pertained to, to Kevin Love, right. And, and the numbers now I, I know he's way better than Kevin Love. So f- forgive me as I go off on this, but like when, when the team is yours, even if the roster isn't great, like, can we, I just feel like greatness is supposed to, maybe I'm expecting more, maybe I'm asking more of him because I just know he's so talented, but, but it just didn't. Compute and and from sources that I had in the building there in New Orleans, it didn't seem like he wanted to lead that. Like, do you know what I mean? And so then I worried about if you're going to ask him to whether that was in the DNA. So New Orleans was a separate thing. I mean, I I don't think they had enough talent to really do more than what they did, which was sweep Portland in the first round and then get the that Warriors team right that was all time. And AD was pretty mm-hmm. great in that series too. And then they had the year where essentially, it, you know, he wanted to be traded. But the, so two points here. And now this is going to sound like what Logan wants me to do, which is which is to defend. Andy. <laughs> so defensively, he is incredible, right? Inside, outside, protecting the rim, switching on the guards, coming over from the weak side, all that. Like he's he can shut down. He can go out and guard your premier wings, right? Uh, you can go put him out on Giannis. You can go put him out on on a KD. Um, Don't put that boy on Giannis no more. Well, look, yeah, and that's a that's a whole different conversation. But I'd rather have him on Giannis than anybody else. Is my point. I got you. Yeah. I got right? you. I got you. Right. So yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. So so there's that. And then I again, I want to try to make this point, and maybe Logan, you can help me with this. But when you're not initiating at least most possessions on offense, with, like with the actual basketball, how right. do you really take over and dominate a team and dominate? As, like you, I just don't know an example in NBA history of a guy. And this is, oh, yeah, you're dependent. You're yeah. dependent on and, other pieces. And for that sure. right there, Raja is to me, part of the difference between like the true alphas, because the basket, there's just this, this one basketball. And even though right. AD can dribble, you know, he's not the guy that you're going to, that you're going to ask to do that. Like it had to be Rondo and drew holiday to a, to an extent for new Orleans. And that was going to limit them. some compared to if it were LeBron, so that's that's, it's, that's just the pushback, but it's it's a it's it's a whole it's a complicated basketball history conversation, really. It is, but that's more than fair. And I'm not an AD hater, man. I, I like like real talk. I mean, come on, man. Hey, I sometimes think he's phenomenal, you just gotta but... sometimes you just gotta say some shit to get the point. I just wanted him to talk you off the ledge. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match. With Indeed, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Honda. Honda. 
There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Bring the thunder and the rain, baby. So we have to just talk to specifically, specifically, specifically to you, Mike Trudell. We got the voice of the streets, the voice of the Southland. Oh, he's been groomed. Bring him Tom Dale's second he's been groomed. He's been groomed by Vic the Brick. He's all in on Chickhorn <laughs> propaganda. Yeah. Ah. He's been he's been here. He's been on Chickhorn court. He's been up and down Figueroa. He's the voice of the streets, voice of Los Angeles. Jomi is in the building. Jomi has some questions for you, Mike Tradell. Jomi, what's popping? Are you doing? How you doing, buddy? Logan, Raja, Mike, feeling you. <laughs> Happy to Thanks, be Mike. here. I you know I went. I went down to Figueroa. I talked to some Laker fans. I was on the Laker subreddit. You know what I'm saying? I was out in these streets, Mike, and Laker fans have some questions. So That's good. To, At least you know, these guys didn't make you drive to Palmdale again, man. No. Nah. <laughs> you know, the way the gas looking, it was just wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to happen. <laughs> I, so the first year Frank Vogel was here, number one defense, right? Second year Frank Vogel was here, number one defense. This year, not so much, right? So, Laker fans want to know what's going on on that side of the ball. You know, we know that with LeBron out, offense was going to struggle. But on defense, you know, even last year when LeBron was out, they were still holding it down. What's going on, Mike? Well, Jomi, first of all, you're the last person in the world that I would ever want to fact check. But the Lakers technically were third in defensive rating in Frank Vogel's first oh, year. Okay, just now, now they My were fault. the best defense. Okay, they were the best defense. Definitely once they got to the playoffs, the best defense. But I just, you know, just want, just want to put that out. Um, of course. Now, <laughs> defensively this season, I think it's it's been two things. And one, any team can point to this. A lot of other teams are banged up, but it certainly has been the injuries. Okay, uh, they that has been a big part of it. It's part of the continuity lack. And I think that the way that Vogel wants to have his teams play on the defensive end requires a ton of effort and engagement. And there's new guys that he is trying to bring along into that. Now, are you going to bring Carmelo Anthony in year 19 into a new way of playing defense that way? No, but you don't expect him to do that, right? So he comes off the bench. He's hot. He's overall been good this year. DeAndre Jordan has kind of played the way that he's played, but Malik Monk starting to get a little better defensively. Like he is starting to buy into some of that stuff. Austin Reeves, I know you love Austin Reeves, Shelby. Okay. That's my guy. HBK. He can play. Okay. He can play defense. So there's some guys that I think are, are going to be brought along into it, but you have to acknowledge that, that a coach needs a certain degree of personnel on that, on that end. Uh, and, and, and same thing with Russ. Like Russ isn't going to be a wholly different defensive player, but he can get a little better. And he started to. And you I need, and, you need, and my bad, can I just chime in? You need, you need fresh, you need fresh legs too. You need that youth. You need the Malik monks and, and, the and, 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 you know, the younger guys on the roster to buy in because you're not getting that out of Russ, LeBron, and uh, Melo full scale all the time, you know, situationally for sure. What else we got? What else we got? What else we got, Jeremy? What else we got? What, 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 what else we got? My second question. So even though, and you guys talked about this a little earlier, even though AD's jumper, you know, is frankly broke right now, right? Damn. Like, you know what I'm saying? You know, I've, you know, I've checked my bank account right now and I'm broke. But even AD's jumper is brokered in my bank account right now. You see it? So 
I just want to understand, even even with that, he's still balling, right? He's still getting to the rim. So, so why are people talking like AD is like, you know, unibrow, like Roger. unibrow Mo Cheeks out here? You know what I'm saying? Like, why is he catching so much slander, even though outside of this jumper not falling, he's playing extremely well? Yeah, I. so you are now the second person uh, that has put me in a spot uh, to try and defend the honor of one Anthony Davis. I didn't think Raja was actually being so hard on him, which is which is important that he was able to Thank clarify. You, <laughs> um, and the jumper, the jumper, here, here's the thing about jump shooting in the NBA that I think, and I'm happy to be countered uh, by anybody. I think that the way we discuss it is actually a little bit overrated. The whole key to me with a shoot with shooting is getting enough respect from the defense to have to go out and pay attention to you and therefore provide space. Now, whether a guy shoots 40% or 33% from three ends up being a difference of like 10 to 15 made threes uh, on the season. In and out, rim in and out. But do you actually have to guard and pay attention to a guy? So there's a difference in shooting threes even between Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook because Davis still does get the respect. He can knock it down. I know he hasn't as much this year, but he still has a pretty smooth flow with his jump shot and teams have to get up on him so my critique Jomi, is less about the is less about sort of the the how whether or not the jump shot is going in but how often he is getting to the rim and enforcing his will and that's the part where maybe what raja was getting to earlier um i i can go with and even ad can go with and he knows that like he just sometimes he can be more aggressive and and that's that's when the lakers are at their best so it's it's less about the jumper than it's about settling for the jumper to me I tell you what, I'd rather have AD take under threes than see Westbrook take one. But that's just me, personally. Yeah, now he's a better three point shooter. He is. The, the percentages now, don't say so this year, though. Yeah, yeah. Now, last question, and this is a personal one. This is just one like for me. You know, I talked to all the Lakers fans, but I needed one for myself. Um, and this really, I just need a second. This really hurts. Um, my son Tht, um, <laughs> you know, he he came out hot the first three games. It was looking like the all-star that was promised. And ever since he got the braids, it's been it's been downhill, Mike. I, I need you to talk me off the ledge, Mike, because cause I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name names, but somebody in the streets was talking about Jordan Poole, who by the way is playing really well this year. Is playing very well this year for the Warriors, right? But was telling me how Jordan Poole, you know, better than THC, all the stuff with, you know, he's two years older. But I just I just I yeah. just need some reassurance on my young king, Mike. Well, can you do that for me? First of all, the one that is promised, unfortunately, Logan isn't going to get that reference, who I think may be the only person at the ringer who hasn't seen Game of Thrones, because I tried to drop a Game of Thrones reference on him <laughs> the other day uh, up in Sacramento, yeah. and he just looked at me with dead eyes, and, and I got sad. I almost texted you about it, Jomi. Uh, it didn't happen. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah. <laughs> THT. So, THT, first of all, I, he... I. He looked so good in the first three games coming off of the thumb surgery that I was actually surprised because I thought it was going to take some time for him to get a rhythm. And I think part of that was LeBron was out and he was given the ball a lot. And he was he still likes to have the basketball. He's so good at getting to the rim. That's still his best skill and either scoring for himself or not. But once LeBron got back, that switched a little bit of the, the spots on the floor where he was getting the ball. And then I also think that once he actually, once teams watched those first couple games they were like oh yeah tht he can get to the rim we have to back way the hell off him and and so that's what teams are doing now so he's in this this zone where he doesn't have consistency on his jump shot yet 
He hasn't played a lot of games. And teams are backing way off, just overplaying him to drive. And that's led to him not really being able to find a rhythm on that end. Also, you've got LeBron, Russ, and AD out there who need their touches. Monk likes the ball. So it's just like a he's in a spot where they need 3 and D to some extent. And his best skill is, is the hardest skill maybe to have in the NBA, getting to the rim, breaking down the defense. And that's like everything else, Jomi, in this Laker land. going to take some time for him to figure out what that right balance is, my man. Hey, sounds good. THC's got all the time in the world. He just turned 21. He's going to be all right. Mike, I appreciate you taking the time to speak to me. You know what I'm saying? Answer oh, the questions for Laker land. What a pleasure. Jeremy. You know what I'm saying? You're the best. Man. Hey, you know, we're Laker fans. We stay strong. We bend. We don't break. Be the mm. bamboo. You know? Mm. Appreciate mm. you, Mike. I'm, I'm just proud you. of Jomi for asking these questions, and I don't think Mike's going to get fired. So shout out to uh, Jomi for that. Uh, shout out to Mike Trudell for coming on for our first annual Lakers Palooza, baby. Oh, um, we'll see pleasure. you down the line. I'll see I'll probably see see you in the Bay at some point. I don't know when y'all come to the yes, Bay, but I'll see the, you. Uh, stay for see the game next point. time. Stay for the game next time. I, I will stay for the game. If I, I am much more likely to stay for a game at Chase Center than a game at Golden One Arena. Hey, it's, it's been a pleasure. You guys do a great job. Uh, love listening to the pod, and I will uh, speak to you all soon. All right, take care. Yee, yee. Man, that was tight, man. Shout out to Mike Trudell. Uh, time for drum roll, please. It's time for Real One of the Week. Um, I'm going to go first, and then we'll go to Ra Ra. My first Real One of the Week is none other than Stunna Man 02 from San Francisco. Over the last holidays, man, dude got me through some stuff with the big stepping record, dog. You, I, I'm going to put you on in a second, Ra. You don't know nothing about this city stuff, but... Really about inclusiveness and put bringing people, to, bringing the whole Bay Area together, man. Stunner Man 02. It's my real one of the week. Ra, who is your real one of the week? My real one of the week, and I don't even think this is debatable, um, is James Jones, Chris Paul, mm. Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, the whole Phoenix Sun staff, record label, and MF and crew. The whole Valley. The Suns are repping in a big way. I think it's 17 straight, which which kind of ties, I think, I believe, our franchise record. And they show no signs of letting up. They just look good. They look good. And we talked on pod, I don't know how many episodes ago, about the distraction that was the story and whether it would be enough to kind of derail a Sun season. I wasn't sure that they could, could withstand it. And they've just done that and more. And so I got to give a shout out, man. Suns, real ones of the week. Man, you, I'm sure you watched that game against Golden State um, on Tuesday. I am going to Golden. I'm going to be at the Warriors Suns Part Two Friday night at Chase. That's going to be a vibe. It's going to be. It's going to be turned. I really like this this budding rivalry that could happen. You know, there's a lot of subplots there. Love that. So shout out to the Suns, man. Co-real one of the week. He is the Sun. Mikael Bridges, though, that was like to score two points in an NBA game but have the rest of what you do be as impactful as what he did. I have a special appreciation for that real one friend of the show, Mikhail Bridges. I saw him in sack a couple of months ago. He, sh- he, he showed love real one of the week. Also real with Mikhail Bridges. All right. Now that has been another edition of the real ones podcast. We are back on our normal schedule. We'll be back Monday, but make sure in the meantime, check out uh, black girl Songbook with who Raja bell. Town legend, Danielle Smith. Now, I saw Ryan Rucco of the R2C2 podcast with who? Raja Bell. None other than the Crestside Clown. Vallejo's legend, CC Sabathia. 
Now, Ryan said he wants to come on the show. Ryan, we will have you on the show very soon, my friend. Very soon, at some point. Um, but yeah, make sure you go check out that. Make sure you check out Mismatch. Make sure you check out Group Chat. Make sure you check out The Answer. We'll see you guys on Monday. Holla! There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.